0: I have my dear friend Melody here with me today. Um, we are really diving into the topic of being an Asian American during the coronavirus and um, experiences that she's had um, and that she's researched. Um, about the Asian American experience. But a little bit about Melody is um, she is an Asian American, born in Seattle, then moved to Pullman to get her bachelor's in music from Washington State University, now works in the theater industry, is a fellow cat mom, and a car fanatic. So welcome to the podcast, Melody.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for being here. This is the first time I've recorded a podcast in the morning. Really? Yeah, over coffee. Normally, it's over wine, and I get like a wee tipsy, Um, (laughs) but you wouldn't know that, right? No, no, not at all. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm so happy to have you here, and um, you're even wearing your Washington State sweatshirt. I I love it.
1: It's cozy, so.
0: I know. I was thinking... uh, melody is getting also oh my gosh i forgot to say it you're getting married yes you're getting married next so next excited. year 2021 you guys is gonna be a much better year <laughs> let's just know we're crossed. knocking on wood
1: fingers crossed yeah yeah
0: um so yeah so um i really wanted to bring melody on because she has been very vocal about um a lot of injustices that are happening in the world and I have seen what you post on social media about being an Asian American, whether that be how the new Mulan is portrayed or um, what it's like being an Asian American during COVID-19 and how people have referred to it as the China virus. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So (laughs) I guess we'll just start with, how are you today? Oh, I'm great. Today is is a good day.
1: Yeah. I... I still cannot believe my future children are going to grow up having grow up in a country where there has been a woman of color as vice president. That's I know. incredible to me, whether or not like you agree with her politically, anything like that, my kids are going to be able to grow up seeing that that's possible. And that mm-hmm. means more than anything to me. I actually, I, I, Really didn't
0: believe it would happen for a while. So I didn't either, actually. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think so either. And and I think when um, Joe Biden chose Kamala Harris for mm-hmm. vice president, um, you know, for his um, to run with him in the mm-hmm. election, I was I didn't know anything about Kamala Harris, and mm-hmm. honestly, I just am so excited to be able to have the opportunity to see a woman of color in the White House, mm-hmm. and you know, someday she's gonna be fucking in charge. <laughs> um, whether that be Kamala herself or women in general, women mm-hmm. of color in general, like I cannot wait to see someday for history to be made where there is a woman as president or a woman of color as president
1: mm-hmm. or another
0: man of color as president.
1: Yeah. We're one step closer. Yeah. It's a small step, but it's it's a step in the right direction and that, that means more to me than... Mm-hmm. anything else about this election. Absolutely. I could care less about politics at this point. I just, it's amazing that, mm-hmm. you know, I could just keep on going back to, like, my future kids will see mm-hmm. that. I know. That was always a huge thing to me growing up is that I didn't see very much representation of mm-hmm. not just Asian people, but any brown people yes. <laughs> around me. And I, of course, was always, I mean, you know me now, mm-hmm. but I was very much the same when I was younger. I'm very much like, well, I'm going to do what I'm going to do.
0: Yes. You've always been, <laughs> since I have known you, a woman
1: who does whatever the fuck she wants. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, well, that kind of ties into what we're talking about here because, you know, Asian, a lot of Asian cultures have, like, a, well, you, you kind of respect your elders, keep your mouth shut, and, you know, you're there for your family, you're there to serve your family, and it's... Um, Family is really important to many cultures, but with with Asian cultures, it's almost, um, especially mixing with American culture, mm-hmm. um, it, it almost turns into like a detriment because Asian parents are trying to um, rightfully so hold on to their culture and their values while their American children are growing up in... America, So the Asian American experience is a whole jumbled mix of a lot of emotions and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. difficulty. But like it's like that. It's like yeah. blending of the cultures. Yeah. Together. And having your having your parents say, oh, no, like you keep very subdued. Mm. We don't realize as children that that's because of all of. The, the racial profiling and injustices they have faced when they first came to America. They're just worried for us. And that's that's something that, that you know, I've really learned about my parents and, like, <laughs> how strict mm-hmm. they were um, when I was younger. And they're not too worried now because, you know, I've kind of forced my way into doing what I what exactly I want. Yeah, but... and you don't let anybody give you shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I respect the hell of that. I... I sometimes I should probably keep my mouth shut but people would probably say the same thing for me (laughs) but here we are but but you know that was always something that was imparted on me when I was younger you know be respectful but sometimes you have to realize that the people that you're supposed to give respect to don't deserve it because they don't respect you in the first place respect can go you know it it
0: needs to go both ways mm-hmm. and and it's interesting tell me a little bit more about what you mean when they don't deserve it.
1: Well, I mean when you see this is this is something that affects a lot of Asian American children first or second generation growing up in America with um, parents that grew up in Asian countries is that there's a huge emphasis put on, you respect your elders no matter what. You respect your parents, um, never mind if they are toxic, if they are narcissistic, and they um, are harmful to your mental health. The, you're still there. You're still their child, or mm-hmm. you're still there, somehow related to them, and they are older. So you have to respect them. Right. And it's it's that clash that has also caused quite a bit of like. Uh, mental health issues within first or second generation asian americans because again like we're we're surrounded by um a culture that tells us you know okay mental health is a real thing you really need to take care of yourself but then when you go home or when you see your family it's a whole different story and so you're caught between two worlds and it's it's been an it, it, it was an interesting time growing up, and I, I I've been able to wrap my mind around it a little bit more now. But, um, but yeah, it was it was just strange to have those two things that were completely different mm-hmm. <laughs> growing up and right, having two different right. cultures and trying to meld them. I feel a lot a lot more comfor- comfortable with it now, and I'm very proud of how I grew up and proud of Um, where my parents come from and I'm proud of how I was raised because I see now what all of the issues we were having growing up, like where they came from Mm -hmm. and why my parents acted a certain way or why they were extra careful. And I was just like, oh my gosh, that doesn't matter. Are you kidding me? But it, it does. And they were Asian parents realistically just try to do the best for their children because they've suffered right. more, and they don't want their kids to. So
0: Right. It's like they brought with them, from what it sounds like you're saying, is they brought with them their experiences mm-hmm. and tried to protect you from experiencing the same things or maybe injustices that they experienced. Mm-hmm. While you are in America having a an, an American child
1: experience, and those are clashing. Yeah, and... You know, you can't really help. There, There's such different cultures that you can't really help. But when you're in that situation, you feel a little bitter towards your parents. Mm-hmm. And you're like... Oh, when
0: you're a kid, if you're not oh, bitter yeah. towards your
1: parents, what's wrong? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I I realize now, like, my parents did not speak English when they came here. Like, they had a, a couple of... Mm. A little bit of English here and there. My dad, of course, spoke English um because he he got into grad school here Mm. um but my mom moved here not knowing any English when she was in middle school wow and like you know how awful middle school kids are
0: (laughs) in general
1: like did she did
0: they move to the west side of Washington yeah okay so they've that's where they've been since they moved here and where did they move from uh
1: Taiwan okay yeah both of them Yes, both of them moved from Taiwan. So my dad moved here in grad school. My mom has been here a little longer since middle school. Right. Okay. Um, and uh, their their family home actually is only about a mile away from my where my parents live now. Wow. So it was always kinda cool like driving by, like, ooh. Yeah. I've never I've never actually seen it, but I've like heard stories about like how yeah. my how my dad picked my mom up for their wedding and like right. followed Taiwanese customs, and it was just so, so cool to know that that had been kept alive Mm -hmm. when they moved here, but yeah, moving to a place without, without speaking the language is tough, and they, they really made it work, you know, my dad is the smartest man I know, and he's a software engineer, and my mom is... Whether she knows it or not, she is one of the smartest people I know also. Mm-hmm. From what it sounds like, they also
0: <laughs> imparted that. Um, well, from what I know, it sounds like they're very smart. But also, from what I know, they imparted that onto you as well.
1: Well, I, I can only hope so.
0: Yes, they <laughs> They did.
1: definitely passed on other traits. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, when did your parents meet? Oh, they met when... Um, so, my uncle on my mom's side her 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 brother oldest brother closest to her mm-hmm. that she was one of five kids mm-hmm. so she went down to the University of Arizona to visit him mm-hmm. um, I can't remember exactly what his relationship to my dad was mm-hmm. I think they may have been like they weren't roommates but they lived close by and my my mom and my dad met. Rest is history, and that's that's about that. Mm-hmm. That's so
0: <laughs> cool. So they brought, you know, they were able to. They probably bonded too because they came from similar backgrounds mm-hmm. um, of where they came from. You know, both being from Taiwan and then moving to America pr- at pretty young ages. You know, mm-hmm. even going to school. Um, you know, post you know, middle school and high school, even going to college, that's, you know, still, I mean, you're young. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So growing up for you and your brother, what was that like growing up in an Asian American family? Did you speak English?
1: So my first language is Mandarin Chinese. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, but like, I mean, with the Asian American experience, um, you'll You'll find that a lot of Asian American kids, even if they are full Asian American, um, they their parents will opt to not teach them their language. Hmm. And there's a lot of resentment, not really resentment, but regret um, amongst a lot of Asians of our generation um, or Asian Americans of our generations because they they've lost their language. And it's, it's hard to, And I understand why, why those parents chose not to teach their kids. Um, and are you saying the they just, de- they decided not to teach them the
0: language, like your parents decided not to teach you Taiwanese? Well, or... Taiwanese
1: is just a functional language in Taiwan. It doesn't really have too much use, honestly, in the rest of the world. Okay. But they chose yeah. to teach me Chinese. Okay. I went into kindergarten or preschool or whatever, um, not speaking English. Wow. And I was told that, or my parents were told that it would be so hard. Like it would be the most difficult thing in the world for this tiny child to learn, to pick up English. And it was like, Hmm. no, like that's when kids' brains are sponges, you know? So when my, my brother speaks Chinese too, but he's two years younger. Mm-hmm. So my parents were joking, like, well, we got everything um, over with with the first one. Like, right. we'll just do whatever with the second." Right.
0: One. Isn't that how it is, though? I'm pretty sure all parents would be like, yep.
1: Yeah. The first one speaks Chinese. Second one, they'll pick it up.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> so moving back to, would you say that um, some Asian American families choose to raise their children speaking English mm-hmm. because it's more accepted.
1: Yes. Um, I I don't know why, because mm-hmm. I, and I can't really speculate because my parents were not, um, did not make that choice. Mm-hmm. But I, from speaking to a lot of friends that don't speak their language, were never taught by their parents, a lot of it, is because of like racial injustices that their parents have experienced because they are Asian mm-hmm. and they come from abroad, and of course, Asian parents do everything that they can to protect their children. Um, again, almost <laughs> almost to a detriment, you know, um, and I think a lot. Especially at our age now, a lot of um, Asian Americans who didn't grow up speaking their language are regretting that and wishing their parents would have taught them. But their parents mm. were just trying to protect them,
0: right? Because
1: the more American you presented yourself, right, um, the less likely you would have been profiled or, right. uh, you know, and of course that's not that's whether or not that's the case that was their reasoning and that was their idea of why they you know kept this part of their culture away from them and mm-hmm. no matter what like the parents tried to do their their best right um and tried to give them the tools to succeed whether or not that was giving them their language or not mm-hmm. so it it depends, family to family, but that's the general consensus I've gotten from talking to all of my friends who don't yeah. speak their native language. Okay, so
0: how was your experience growing up in the school system as an Asian American who whose native or whose first language was Chinese, Mandarin, and than learning English as you went through school. Were there any obstacles that you experienced throughout your school schooling?
1: I think when I was younger a little bit more, but as of right now, you know, like we don't really remember everything that happened when we were right. younger. Yes. Um and I think I don't think I had that many issues. I remember like um in preschool I cried a lot and I didn't understand some things but like my brain was a sponge again because I was a child so I I I did just fine I still cry a lot yeah (laughs) (laughs) I still cry a lot yeah you would feel my preschool yeah 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 (laughs) oh um but it was we went from that school to a private school and um it was, I never saw myself as different, or I never thought of myself as, as different, because my parents, again, they were really wonderful. They were like, well, you're weird, so, <laughs> so you can just be weird. They're like, just be you. <laughs> they, they tried a little bit when I was younger, and now they're just like, well, she's weird, but we'll claim her. <laughs> We like this. We like this weird. Exactly. Um, my brother's also weird, so... It works. We kind of have to deal with him, too. Um, but when we were younger, there was this... I, Looking back, I see that there may have been some sort of fear. They wanted to put us in private school. They wanted us to be um, successful, to be um, self-sufficient. And I remember... Like just being me in private school through like second grade was such a weird experience because there were certain words I didn't know. Like I didn't know what the word king meant, mm. like K I N G. And pe- I very distinctly remember like someone saying, "What do you mean you don't know what that means?" And I don't. I don't have an accent now. I never had an accent. So people always assumed, you know, I spoke English as my native language, which that's not really an issue, but it was just, you know, how cruel some little kids can be to each other. Just like, oh, Melody doesn't know what this one word means. Mm. Great. You go speak a whole nother language. Right. (laughs) Let's see that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I feel like I, um... Throughout school I never noticed I was different. There were some some little aspects here and here and there, but I considered myself very lucky because I either I'm a moron and I just didn't notice it. You're um, not a moron. <laughs> but I I was very lucky to be surrounded by the best of people mm. and if there were any and Not everyone has this experience, you know. Right. So um, I'm very aware that a lot of my Asian American friends have gone through a lot of, you know, name calling, whatever. A lot of harassment just for being Asian or, you know, jokes were made. My brother brought um, lunch to school at our private school. And it was something Asian that my mom had made. And if you've never had an Asian mom cook for you, I feel sorry for you because Asian moms are the best cooks. We'll have to have your mom cook something for me. Yes. She'll be like, this is nothing, and then have like a giant spread, and it'll be the most delicious thing in the world.
0: I grew up having (laughs) a friend who was Vietnamese. And, um, primarily in elementary school, I would say. Um, and I would go over to her house and I just remember always like they made the literal best rice. Mm-hmm. It was with every meal. And then whatever they put on top of that was like absolute deliciousness.
1: Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Cause Asian people put a huge emphasis on food and passing down recipes mm-hmm. to their children. Um, a whole lot of like, you know right. this is in the family.
0: But I haven't had I won't I will say that I haven't had a home cooked meal from an Asian mother in a very long time. So um, I will have to encourage your mom to cook for me, me. next time she's in town. <laughs> yes. Or next time I'm in their neck of the woods. Yeah, you're just gonna stop
1: by like hi.
0: Hey, Melody said you might cook me something <laughs> Can I stay for dinner?
1: <laughs> but you know, Asian food doesn't always smell like American food. Oh, very much not. Yeah. yeah. And my brother got teased for it. Hmm. And I remember we started getting like little lunchables and stuff like that that hmm. were just absolute crap. Yes. <laughs> you know, what does American food smell like grease? <laughs> um, cardboard? Cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and I understand not all food smells great to people, right? But it's, it's the unfamiliarity that these kids had with this food and how they chose to tease my brother, that I, that showed me more than anything, like, wow. Like, people don't understand. Right.
0: We're just not introduced us. as Americans, I feel like. Mm-hmm. We both are and aren't. As an American, I was not introduced to uh, very many different cultures growing up. Um, and to have a Vietnamese friend, I feel fortunate that I had that experience growing up because mm-hmm. I was able to see a different culture mm-hmm. um, other than my middle class white family in Spokane, Washington, <laughs> you know, like that's a very unique and and um, culture of its own. You know, it's a yeah. very uh, secluded culture of its own. You don't get introduced to a lot. And so... I can imagine that when people are introduced to these different cultures that they would see it as foreign and like, oh, I don't know about that. Oh, I don't know. So maybe that was the manifestation of what had happened for your brother of this was like some – that's so unfortunate that he had to get made fun of. So I'm sorry to hear that.
1: And and it's – at at what point do it, At what point do we say, "Oh, that's not okay," right. because these are little kids. You know, you shouldn't expect little kids to act maturely. But also, why is it that brown kids eating their own food would have to go through a traumatic experience like that? Right. Like, Where is the balance? And I don't have the answer. No one has the answer. But it's just something to think about. Like may, exposing your kids to different cultures Mm
0: -hmm.
1: may uh, prevent this. Or not. Maybe your kid's just a little jackass. (laughs) But, like, ideally, you know. Ideally,
0: (laughs) introducing them to other cultures will help open their minds up to what is outside of of what they grew up with. Yeah. To expand their minds and be more welcoming to other cultures, other Mm -hmm. people, other ways of life. So moving into more adulthood, as you got older, when was the first experience that you noticed, hey, people are not treating me the same, and it is because of my, of being not white and being an Asian American?
1: Um, again, I was very fortunate, and right. the one of the first things that I can think of isn't actually a negative thing mm-hmm. the more I look back the more the more I realized so many people in my life
0: mm-hmm.
1: were very protective of me mm-hmm. which is probably why you know I felt like I was kind of in a in a little bubble mm-hmm. because like going to Pullman I never faced any racism nothing I didn't hear a single thing um yeah it, it just wasn't part of my experience Mm -hmm. um that's why it's taken me so long (laughs) to realize like wow all of these Asian Americans around me are having these insane experiences in this country that we live in Mm -hmm. and um the very first thing that I was like wow okay yes I am different was when my my voice teacher Mm
0: -hmm.
1: told me well I mean you you have to realize that going out into the world and auditioning and stuff like that you will be typecast and you will be shoved into these roles and I don't even know if she remembers this but she was very much like trying to prepare me I guess for for the reality of going out into the world and auditioning for these roles and um auditioning just as an Asian American Mm -hmm. and that was the first time where it clicked where I was like Oh, you mean this is going to be a a problem, <laughs> or this this might be an issue? Yeah. Um, and I really I really appreciate her for that because she's a white woman who grew up in the Midwest, and I I appreciated the caution and the care she took to tell me something like that because I being hit with that if you're out auditioning is always going to be a a terrible terrible realization and being self-aware especially as a performer as an asian american performer she gave me more power in that conversation than i think she ever knew Hmm. because that was when i first started thinking oh maybe i am a little different and then another voice in my head was like no i'm not different i'm just i'm normal Hmm. um and the second time I can think about was actually I think in my sophomore or junior yeah, sophomore or junior year. We were driving back. It was me and a sorority sister of mine. We were driving back from the west side. I was super super sick, was not feeling great. Um and there was a blanket in in the trunk. And she was like, "Okay, let's pull over. I'll get it for you." And we we pull into this driveway, this rural driveway in some 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 house in the middle of uh, Ellensburg and Pullman, you -hmm. know, in the middle of nowhere. And we see a Confederate flag. And she immediately freaks out, grabs the blanket, throws it on me and says, let's get the fuck out of here. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. And that didn't hit me until a little bit later. Like, again, it goes back to the theme of... I was living in such a bubble. I got so lucky that I didn't really have to face many of those injustices. Um, I didn't have to face much harassment or anything like that. Um, Whether it was, you know, my personality where I'm going to talk back no matter what. (laughs) Or um, being lucky or anything. However it worked out. Um, I'm so thankful to have been surrounded by people who made the first kind of the first experiences that I had realizing that I was different and that I needed to be careful about how I held myself mm-hmm. came from people who were trying to protect me and trying to warn me and I appreciate that so much because all of these people around me were white are white I don't know why I said were they were <laughs> but, they're not anymore I mean even <laughs> Even today, the majority of my friends are are white, mm-hmm. and I understand why. Especially in Spokane, you know, we're predominantly mm-hmm. white, right? Um, but it's also just funny to me how, you know, you you went to high school, so you you'll understand when I say this. Like when when Asian American kids see each other they kind of clump together Mm -hmm. and there was always like that one group of asian friends at my high school and that's because it's what they know Mm -hmm. there's a comfort yeah and not saying like all asian americans do that but just understanding that there's there's a there's sort of a wanting to be safe amongst Mm -hmm. a lot of people out there who are similar they might not come from the same country or anything like that but they're similar so they bond together Mm -hmm. and i was fortunate to not have that experience because i didn't have to Mm -hmm. because i never you know my brother i didn't know about that until a couple years ago Mm -hmm. i like fresh off the boat that tv show on abc um that first episode I was like man that sounds familiar and I called my dad and he was like that happened to your brother like that's a that's a thing wow and I I was just amazed you know again yeah about all of apparently there's this whole world of stuff going on and I I was just completely blind to it because I had a I guess a a better experience growing mm-hmm. up as an Asian American so I understand how a lot of people can't grasp this notion that there are people who are treated lesser because of their the color of their skin or where they're coming from um, and of course it was it was really hard for me to realize that as well and to realize that oh shoot I have to be careful about my own self because I've it It honestly wasn't until the coronavirus where I I went through a month where I was just like freaking out almost Mm -hmm. because all of seeing people who looked like me get harassed and assaulted and, you know, I never knew how much representation meant to me until this year. I honestly didn't. Um, and looking back, I never saw you know an Asian woman as a strong lead or anything like that in movies. I barely saw Asian people on the screen at, at all, um, but somehow within that, I was also still able to become the person I am today. Um, and I think that's that's incredible because. I didn't really have a role model to look up to, you know. Most most kids grow up and they have um, people on screen that they can they can look at. They can me. Yeah. I had that
0: <laughs> Disney princesses. Yeah.
1: You know, I had pretty much every protagonist
0: in every movie was white. Mm-hmm. Um, the authors we read in school, white. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the posters that were on the walls primarily white children. And then there's like that one token brown yep. th- brown person yep. that they just threw in everywhere. <laughs> yeah.
0: They were like, oh, we have to have, you know,
1: diversity. Let's yeah. throw in one, you know, one
0: kid out of, you know, yeah. the handful of children that are in this picture mm-hmm. or something. So, you know, I did have a lot of um,
1: representation. And I was completely blind to that. I did not see an issue with that. I was like, oh, okay, this is just what it is. So,
0: what about this year has been, has kind of made you see things differently?
1: And when did that happen? When the coronavirus first started being, you know, being a real issue for people in the US, is when I started to feel kind of this shift in how people, not just how people, acted towards each other, but how people looked at me. How did they look at you? I kind of confusion. I don't, you can't look at me and be like, oh, that person's a hundred percent Asian. Cause I have features that are not a hundred percent Asian. So <laughs> my, like my fiance always likes to joke that like people look at me with A lot of confusion, especially with, like, the blonde hair and everything and the mask. It's kind of hard to tell. But I went through a change where I was like, oh, whatever. This is so, you know, we'll get over this. To people, you know, adapting our president's terminology. Terminology. Yeah. Saying China virus or Wuhan flu. Like, you know, so it's, it's not... That turns into racism. Um, People are always quick to blame people who are different from them. Very true. And especially people that they don't understand. And the history of the U.S. has a long, long history of not acknowledging Asian people at all. And um, there's been a huge you know, since the founding of our country, since Asian Americans, or well, since Asians were in America, there, there've always been racial profiling issues. Um, And it wasn't until after World War II, where the term model minority came up, where everyone, everyone started saying, oh, well, the Asians are the model minority, as in, they are the perfect immigrants, because this is what they do for our economy. This is how successful they are and whatever. But in that, that's racist in itself because you're lumping Asia, this huge, huge continent, into one term and you're treating everyone the same. Well, Asians are the most diverse minority population that we have in America. There are at least... I mean, with with the percentage of Asian Americans that are in America, or, you know, Asians in America, whatever, um, they all come from over 20 different countries in Asia, and all of those cultures are different. So it's, it's hard for me because not only seeing the, the ignorance of people, just generally labing, labeling labeling everyone as you know oh well asians cause this or just assuming that someone is chinese or something like that but then in in people in certain people it turns into like a physical attack Mm. uh, verbal harassment you have you experienced these things um thankfully not physical right but um I just remember, I think I texted you right you afterwards. Did. I was wondering I if was you were like, going
0: to tell us about that.
1: Um, and this has never happened to me before. And it actually like took me a bit to be like, what? Who? Me? Right. <laughs> I remember you texted us and I think you were in shock.
0: But mm-hmm.
1: yeah. But I was pulling out of the hardware store and this giant truck drove by and they yelled the N word at me. And I was like, that's a weird noise. (laughs) You were like, I didn't register that. I'm sorry. I didn't. Okay. Uh, And it wasn't until, like, there was a skateboarder on the corner who was, like, who looked at me, looked at the truck, and then looked back at me and had this absolutely, like, horrified face. Mm. And was, like, concerned. And he was, like, you know how you can tell when someone is it's like oh my gosh are you okay right and when did this happen oh this happened pretty early like in may yeah or it June. was it was
0: when um really the george floyd mm-hmm. uh, murder was outraged all across america mm-hmm. and so the there world there was a
1: lot of anger um, and a lot of pent up frustration on everyone yeah and, and i
0: and so it i I, I don't know what makes people feel that they have the permission to call people such terrible names mm-hmm. that are just completely, um, they're, they're oblivious to the impact that it has, the history that it carries. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they aren't oblivious to it, then that's purely coming from a place of hate mm-hmm. and, and of seeing someone as an other mm-hmm. versus a human being. Which yeah. we all are. At the end of the day, we're all human beings. We're just born in different parts of the world,
1: mm-hmm. and it's it's not not even close to the same. But you know the word chink, and we a lot of people don't understand that. I've never that actually that is a slur. I've never actually mm-hmm. um, really heard of that terminology before. Um, it has to do with like eyes, like oh. chink. Yeah. It's, it's how, you know, it comes from people making fun of Chinamen and like laborers, um, in the 1800s. And it, a lot of people now don't understand the weight that that carries. I remember I was working at, um, when I was a barista, one of the girls that was with me, she was talking about how smoking weed made her eyes super chinky. And, she didn't understand at all. And of course, I was like, okay, that was not okay, but I knew she didn't, you know, mean it that way. But <laughs> the head cook who was there, he actually texted me later that night and was like, hey, I don't know if you were okay with that, but I was not okay with that. He's, he's white, but he's married to an Asian woman. Mm-hmm. So he understands, you know, he has obviously gotten some sort of understanding of what she goes through on a daily basis and he was the one who spoke up and said because of course again I've said that I haven't really come across too many people who are you know racist (laughs) especially towards yeah blatantly racist towards me so I didn't know how to react and I was just like okay that's a weird way to say it but whatever but he was the one who said that was not okay with me Is it okay with you if I have a talk with her about it? He considered my feelings. He stood up for me, whether I knew it or not. You know, and it—I cannot say again how how blessed I've been with all the people around me because Mm -hmm. that the gravity of that kind of situation doesn't hit me (laughs) because I I did. yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I don't register those things because it's not something I experienced growing up. And do you think that that kind of behavior of what the cook did for you,
0: do you see that as like white white saviorism too? Because I know that some people have, um, you know, there's a fine line between helping um, and being a white savior. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm here to save the day. I'm here to save you because you can't save yourself. Or... You know, did that did that experience bring out any of that for you?
1: I think that people in general who have this view of white people stepping in and saving the day as always being the white savior, I think they have a very toxic mindset of... And they... Let me see how to say this. People would like things to be a certain way, right? In order to get from where we are to where we would like to be, there are steps along the way. And I think that um, a lot of people who are more sensitive to white saviorism are almost blind to the fact that there are people, there are advocates for us out there. There are people who support people of color and want to listen to them. Um, It's just reality that we are the minority And I've been surrounded by people who have been gracious, who have lent their voice to me. Um, I think where it crosses the line into white saviorism is making a point to go out of your way to do that and wanting praise for it. Wanting, um, you don't do it for the people who are minorities and giving them a voice, you do it to make yourself feel better. And I think that's where it turns into white saviorism and where it turns into an issue where, you know, you're not listening to the people of color. The fact that he asked me if I was okay, if he had that chat with her, because he was like, I'm not okay with it, but I need to check with you if you are okay if I... Have a talk with her, and she right. wasn't disciplined. It was just, hey, just so you know, this word has a negative connotation. She had no idea, right? I mean,
0: you don't yeah. know until you know, okay. exactly. And and um, I always go back to this quote of, "Do the best you can until you know better. Then once you know better, do better."
1: Exactly. And my be, Angelo, yes, <laughs> I love her. And be okay if someone says, "Hey, that's that's not a nice word. That's not a, that's not an okay word mm-hmm. to me." be respectful of that Mm -hmm. because you don't know what weight that word carries for them
0: and and one thing so we just finished reading white fragility at work and white fragility is high level overview of what this book talked about is people's white people's reaction when they are addressed with their own racist tendencies Mm -hmm. defensiveness anger, um, blame on other people or other things. And the biggest takeaway that I got is we all as white people grew up in a racist system. And I do believe that there is systemic racism, um, especially after reading this book um it is wit- written by a white person um and so she also puts that out there of like hey by no means am i the NBL either um it was one perspective that enabled me to see that when i am presented with an opportunity to do better that um instead of getting defensive that i say okay even if it was presented to me in a way that like really genuinely hurt me, I am so grateful for the experience to learn and to do better for my fellow humans mm-hmm. because we all deserve to be treated fairly. And and there are certain things that I will say or do that I do not realize have
1: history or weight or a certain connotation to other people. Um, and that's another thing for people of color, be aware that people, that white people around you are making an effort. And, you know, people shouldn't be rude to others in general, but if someone corrects you and says it in a rude way, I hope you say, I didn't like how that made me feel, I understand what you said, Um, and I will take that and apply it moving forward, but I didn't like how you approached that, because you also deserve to be treated as a human being, and uh, that's a huge issue I see a lot with, with activism nowadays. It's, everyone is yelling, and people are just trying to yell over another. No, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's not, that's not the way we get things done. Um, Yeah, and I think people this year in particular has
0: been particular, as you have mentioned, has been so hard for many people of color, uh, for the BIPOC community, the black indigenous people of color. I just say that for the listeners, cause I still <laughs> know, um, I didn't know about that terminology until recently. So I figured that, um, other people might not as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, the reasoning, I looked this up And because I was like, oh, what's the reasoning behind that acronym? This Mm -hmm. is totally a tangent. But basically, (laughs) it's you are recognizing that um, each individual um, culture or race has its own identity um, worthy of recognition. And you're also so, so you're saying it in, you know, black, indigenous people of color. Because then you're giving recognition to different minority groups.
1: You're giving recognition. This is a huge thing in America. You're giving recognition to um, black people and indigenous people for the sacrifices and the work that they have done in order to get us to a place where people of color like me can come in and be like, okay, we're here,
0: (laughs) you know? Well, and like for (laughs) you to have an experience that you didn't really um, know that there was racism surrounding you um, as um, a person of color, I think that um, the work that must have been done to get you to a place where you didn't feel, where you didn't witness that, like that's pretty incredible. And also I still feel like we have so much work to do um, I also think that people, progressives in particular, um, and I am within that umbrella term, um, can be harmful to, um, and can contribute to racism as well. You know, we want to be advocates, and we advocate so hard for these for the BIPOC community that we end up not giving a voice to the BIPOC community, mm-hmm. and that's also something I've read about of. Okay, being a progressive doesn't mean that I'm less racist than someone who's a conservative. No, we're all we're all humans, and we all have um, and Americans, white Americans. Um, not we're all, but white. <laughs> <laughs> let me rephrase. White Americans grew up in a society that benefited them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so let's hand the mic to people of color, to the BIPOC community, so that they can speak up and tell their stories. Mm-hmm. I have been so... This has been something that I have really woken up to this last year. Same. I think many people <laughs> have. Like you yeah. even said, like, <sighs> you know, I I am have really enjoyed having this conversation with you because I think that it shows kind of a different perspective, actually, than what... I have had conversations with other people and I really appreciate it because every person's experience and story will be different.
1: And I did bring a couple of stats I really wanted to share. And um, Um, could you share where you found them too? Just so if you happen to have that information. I do. Beautiful. So all of these were pulled from, um, this specifically was pulled from the Pew Research Center. The, what was it? Pew, P-E-W. It's okay. A, it's a huge research center that does research on different what? populations in America. Um, but they're a pretty respected research center. Credible. Um, very, very credible. Um, 58% of Asian Americans have, you know, have perceived racist views towards them that have increased since the pandemic.
0: Oh, I am, I mean, 100% do not, yeah. And
1: there's actually a website called Stop AAPI Hate. So Stop Asian American Pacific Islander Hate that was created at the beginning of the coronavirus. Um, And it logs all of the hate crimes and incidents committed on Asian Americans. And literally thousands of incidents and hate crimes happened just between January 28th and February 24th that's less than a month Wow! thousands and you have to keep in mind that a lot of these Asian people especially older Asian people they have a sense of pride so they don't want to report these things right these things happen and they're just just move on and that website logs <laughs> Over 38% of those incidents happened at a place of business. Oh. That's, that is so much. A place of business, you're in public, it's not, 20% happened in the streets, or, you know, public streets, 11% in public parts, and 11% online. Only 11%. Exactly. Wow. That was what was so concerning to me, because people feel like they have, you know, free reign to say anything online, but all of these hate crimes that are being reported, a lot of them are happening at a place of business. Yeah, (laughs) day-to-day, in person. It's, it, Asian people have gone through a lot in this country. Yeah. Um, Whether it be, you know, internment camps, um, Mm. not allowing immigration for you know, years and years and years. You mentioned I'm getting married next year. Fifty-five years ago, that would not have been legal. Yeah. Fifty-five. I know,
0: like within our parents' yeah lifetime, mm-hmm. they would not have been able because Arthur is white. Mm-hmm. They would not have been able to have an interracial marriage.
1: Mm-hmm. And that that frustrates me to no end. Because I've never, ever, again, this is my privilege showing that I've never, ever, ever been told, you can't do this. So.
0: You probably wouldn't have taken that response well anyway. You'd be like, (laughs) sorry, that's
1: actually not true. And I will do this whether you think so or not. Thank you very much. Yeah, but that shows the privilege that I've grown up with where I have grown up in in a society, in a, like, neighborhood, in a community that allows me to throw my little chance from fit. <laughs> but so many people don't get to do that. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to speak for any of them. Mm-hmm. But thank you for letting me share like yeah, this. Gosh, um... Thank you for sharing. <laughs>
0: and so other people can continue their learning, what are ways that people... Mm, let me read this. What are actions that people can take to be a better advocate for the Asian American population during um, the coronavirus
1: and in life? Well, I think specifically towards the coronavirus, you know, just go out of your way to be anti-racist. If What you does he- that look like? To me, that looks like if you hear something that's not... That you don't think is right you speak up and you say you know obviously politely but you say that's not okay here's the correct terminology um i think you do your research you look at all the types of hate crimes that are happening a lot of people are not and and there's this whole you know presidential election shit show that was happening and The Black Lives Matter movement did some great work on, you know, is doing some great work Mm -hmm. on social equality and social justice. But a lot of hate crimes against Asian Americans are not being publicized. So you... Not you specifically, but, like, people oh, yeah, have to go out view. of their yeah. way to find this information. Me too. Yes, I, I have to go out of my way to find this information.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, of course, there's always, there's always more to do, and there's, there's always going to be, like, steps to take.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, if people were to find you, if they wanted to learn more, um, what are some resources? Um, where can they find you, and what are some resources that they could look at to learn more?
1: Um, well, they can find me on Instagram if they really want to. Um, What's your Instagram handle? At Melahontas, like Pocahontas, but Melahontas. (laughs) I always like that. Um, I know. I came up with it like years and years ago and it's just like, it's I've memorized it. Yeah.
0: I don't even look you up as Melody Chang anymore. (laughs) I Just look look you up as Melahontas. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and um, for sharing Um, some of the statistics with me and um, we'll do a follow-up with some maybe some reading or some tv or movies that people could watch to just further their education about um, Asian American experiences Asian experiences and things like that Mm -hmm. thank you so much for tuning in um, and we will see you next week